Hello, everyone. Greeting Summit Church family. Hey, welcome to our Wednesday service. And uh, just want to say again how much I miss all of you. And uh, I tell you what, I am so looking forward to getting back at our church building and being with you all. And uh, hopefully that's going to be happening very, very soon. And so I'm looking forward to that with great anticipation. But uh, I trust you all are doing well and uh, uh, and that everything is going good for you. I know this has been a trying time, but but we are going to get through it and, and have gotten thus, this far through it. We'll continue to get the rest of the way through by the grace of God. Thank God for his grace. And it's his grace and his empowerment that help us in times like this. And so let's continue to just stand strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, we'll, and we'll get through this, this challenging time. Hey, want to get uh, back into uh, our, our series on end time for dummies and uh, uh, end times for dummies, I meant to say. And I'm not implying, of course, that anyone out there is a dummy. But remember, we're doing this series to uh, try to take people who know little to nothing about the end times and just give them a working knowledge of of the subject. And so remember that that's our goal. That's our objective. And we're using the book of Revelation as our as our guide. And remember, I've asked you to read through the book of Revelation. Remember, there's a special blessing for those who who read it and those who hear it. And so uh, and, and I realize it can be a confusing, a confusing book, a lot of symbolism in it and, and so forth. And that's why I'm teaching this series. And, and remember, I'm not covering it chapter by chapter and verse by verse. I, I'd love to do that. I've done that many times over the years. Uh, but it, this session is just uh, more of an overview. We're kind of hitting the mountain peaks. So, you know, I'm not going to be covering every chapter and every verse, but we're, we'll cover enough of it that, uh, that again, someone who knows little to nothing about the end times will be able to have a working knowledge of it. Okay, so let's get back in into our study. Now, uh, uh, if you've missed any of the sessions, uh, they're all for, for free. They're all on either our uh, uh, Facebook page at Summit Church Fenton or on our YouTube uh, page at Summit Church Fenton. And you can even get them on our website now at summitchurch.us. Okay, so three places you can go to get caught up. Okay, and and I really want to recommend that if you've missed any of the sessions to go do that because I just don't have time to review. If I reviewed every time, well, well, we'd be into the we'd be into the tribulation and into the millennium by the time we finish the before we finish this series. So I just can't can't review everything. So go back and and, and get caught up. I welcome you to do that. That'll help you get the most out of what we're going to cover today and as we move forward. So, okay, so let's move on with, uh, I want to pick up with, uh, of course, now, now I will say this, last time we looked at the uh, the seven seals, we've been looking at those. Uh, if you don't know what those are, go catch up. Uh, and, and then the seven trumpet blasts of judgment, we looked at that last time. And then the seven bowls of God's judgment, we, look, we looked at those last time. And so uh, what I want to do right now is I, I want to go uh, and I want to pick up with looking at the Antichrist, okay? And uh, of course, I've said a good deal about him already, 
uh, and you can get that information again in one of our previous sessions. But remember, as Jesus opened those seven seals, the first seal that he opened was a white horse rider came forth. And, and we've talked about that. And this white horse rider is a counterfeit. He is uh, known as the Antichrist. He will be a, a, a actual man who will arise at some point in the future. And, uh, and he will come on the scene uh, as a counterfeit. That's what that white horse symbolized, if you'll recall. And uh, he'll, he'll be a counterfeit messiah. And uh, uh, the Jews will accept him as their Messiah. Now, the Jews as a whole have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Jews as a whole will will accept this this guy that comes forward or comes forth at some future time. Uh, Remember, this happens after the rapture of the church, and actually the tribulation period begins with the release of the Antichrist. And in uh, the book of Daniel, it's in the Old Testament, Daniel was an Old Testament prophet, said that this, this Antichrist will come forth peaceably and uh, he'll seize his position of power with intrigue, with flatteries. He'll be a, a great orator. He'll have oratory skills that will hold people spellbound. And, and he'll come forth again peaceably, and you know, he'll be a counterfeit, but he'll come forth peaceably. Uh, he'll seize his power uh, and his kingdom and his rule or his reign by intrigue, by flatteries, and listen to this, cunning, hypocritical conduct. And so he'll appear to be something that he ultimately is not. And uh, I do want you now to go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. I want you to look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, because this gives us some, some more on him. It says this, is the, the book of Daniel says, that he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now, th- this one week, without getting into a bunch of detail, uh, our in-depth study on this, it, it, that one week actually means a seven-year period of time. And so he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week or seven years, okay? And that's where we get the seven-year tribulation period. The tribulation period will be seven years long. There'll be the rapture of the church, as we've talked about in a previous session, and then this Antichrist will arise. And remember, he can't even arise until the church is raptured up into heaven. And then he'll, he'll come on the scene peaceably. He'll, he'll as I just read, he'll, he'll have great intrigue about him and oratory skills and all of that. And, and he will, he'll, he'll arise from my study of it, as it, it what we've just read, as, as a peacemaker, although he'll be anything but but that will be his appearance, at least at first, and that tribulation period of seven years will, will start as he confirms a covenant with many. Look at this, Daniel 9, 27, he'll confirm a covenant with many for one week or for seven years. Now, now this, this covenant that he confirms, it appears to be some sort of a, 
a contract or agreement. That's what a covenant is, a contract or an agreement. And it appears from my study to be primarily with Israel. And uh, he'll bring peace uh, to to, to to the Middle East, to the area where Israel is and the surrounding regions. And uh, uh, there'll be there'll be a, a covenant made uh, uh, w- apparently with Israel, and it'll affect no doubt Israel and a, a surrounding uh, uh, the surrounding region. Apparently, this Antichrist will be able to do something that it hasn't been able to have been done, although it'll be uh, short lived. But it will be a seven year uh, agreement. Now. You need to know something else about the Antichrist. He now, now he will not get total control over the entire world, at least not at first. When I say at first, I'm talking about this seven-year tribulation period. He, he, he will not get total control over the entire earth, at least not at first, uh, because you can see in Scripture there's verses we could go to that he will be resisted, and uh, and uh, and so there will be that resistance, and and different uh, uh, armies and things like that will resist him at first. Um, but as the tribulation goes on, and particularly as as we'll see today here in just a moment, during uh, right at the middle of the tribulation, he'll become uh, what what we'll see is he'll he'll be known as the beast. And and at that point, and and during the last half of the tribulation, it appears that he will get control over over from some scriptures we'll read here in a moment. We'll see he'll get control over over much, if not all of, certainly all of the earth. Uh, but there will always be resistors to him, and and those those that resist him. And we'll say more about the resistors as we go along. But. Uh, also, uh, remember this, that he's that white horse rider that, that came forth first, but then those next three seals, seals number two, three, and four, those other three horsemen, and, and remember, they had to do with uh, war and famine and death and hell and all of that. So while the Antichrist at first, during the first part of the tribulation, will be bringing peace, at least from my study of it, to the Middle East area, uh, there will be wars and, 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 and death and famine and all of that going on in, in, in other parts of the world. Uh, and then ultimately, it, it's pretty clear the Antichrist will ultimately get control of the earth uh, as you move into the last part of the tribulation. But uh, remember, just because there's peace in one area of, of the earth, there, there there can be war in other other areas. So you just need to keep that in mind because a lot of people think that you know when he comes on the scene, they'll be he's just going to take over the earth right off, right at the beginning of the tribulation, and it's not going to be that way. He'll he'll come in, he'll arise as a peacemaker. He'll be a sharp talker, uh, flatteries and all of that. Be very hypocritical. He'll appear to be something that he's not. Many people will follow him at first. There'll be resistors. They'll bring peace to to the Middle East and different parts. There'll be resistors and wars and stuff going on in other parts of the earth. But as he, as we move to the middle of the tribulation and on into it, uh, 
it appears he'll get control over much of the planet, as we'll see. Now, uh, let me say this. It, it, it's clear to me that it's clear to me that the Antichrist will bring uh, he'll bring peace, at least from my study of it, of it between the Jews and the Muslims. Because as you study the Middle East over there, uh, in order to get peace in the Middle East, there, there's going to have to be some sort of a, 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 a an agreement of peace between the Jews and the Muslims. Now, it would be helpful to know that just as the Jews right now are looking for their Messiah, now Jesus is their Messiah, but but they've rejected him uh, as a whole. Now, later on, we'll see they'll at the as we go on in this study, they're going to receive him. But for now, they've rejected him and have for the last 2,000 years as a whole. The Jews have rejected Jesus. But when the Antichrist comes forward, uh, they're going re- to receive him. But you need to know this. Uh, uh, the Muslims, they're looking for, and I'll just keep it simple here. They're looking for their Messiah, so to speak. And it wouldn't surprise me, and, and I'm not dogmatic about this, but it it wouldn't surprise me if this Antichrist somehow or another not only fulfills the, uh, the, the who the Jews are looking for, but, but may also be the one the Muslims are looking for. Very possibly, I'm not dogmatic about it, but in order to broker a peace agreement in the Middle East, you'd almost have to be able to satisfy both of those, those, those groups of people. And, uh, and, and further... Uh, and I'm not dogmatic about this, but it, but it, it appears to me as though there's going to have to be peace between the Muslims and the Jews because it, it, it's apparent that that you see right now on the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock sits. That's that's the Muslims, you see, and and there's going to be a temple that is going to be built or erected either before the tribulation begins or just very shortly after at some point. And and I'm not dogmatic about this, but it, it, it appears as though that that temple that 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 temple that's going to be constructed is going to have to sit where the Dome of the Rock is because that's the Temple Mount where the Jews worship the Lord, you know, in the Old Testament and so forth. So, you know, now how all that's going to work out, I don't know, but but uh, I know that if 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 you went in there now to remove the Dome of the Rock, there's going to be all kinds of war in order to get that dome you know, re- taken, removed and have a temple built there, somebody's going to have to bring some kind of a broker, some kind of a deal and some kind of a peace agreement to, to work all that out. And the Antichrist looks as though he's going to fit the bill for that. Now, I'm not dogmatic about, about where that uh, tribulation temple is going to sit, but it appears it's going to have to sit on the Temple Mount uh, because you see that that the Antichrist is going to allow the that the Jews to have temple worship as they did in the Old Testament. And it appears that temple is going to have to sit on that temple mount where the Dome of the Rock is. So a lot of things are going to have to go on before all, all of this takes place. But uh, but nonetheless, it would take someone like the Antichrist to pull something like, like that off. So just some thoughts, um, not totally dogmatic on how all of it's going to work out, but from my study, it looks, it looks as though that, that's going to have to be the case. Now, notice here again in Daniel 9, verse 27, let's look at the last part of that verse. The first part said, he'll confirm a covenant with many for one week or seven years. 
But in the middle of the week, Daniel 9, 27, but in the middle of the week, see, that's at the three and a half year mark. This is three and a half years of the tribulation has gone by. The Antichrist is known as the Antichrist, okay, during the first three and a half years. Now, we're going to see something's going to happen at the three and a half year mark. We'll get to that in a moment. But in the middle of the week, the three and a half year mark, it says, the Bible says, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. So he he has uh, set a, a situation up for the Jews in that tribulation temple, if you will, to uh, worship God and offer sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament. In at the three and a half year mark of the tribulation, he's going to bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and he's going to turn his back at that time on the Jews, and. Uh, and become their the worst enemy they've ever had, okay, as we'll see. And uh, But he'll bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and then it says on, on the wing of abominations, on the wing of abominations shall be the one who makes desolate. In Scripture, the Antichrist is known as the abomination of desolation, and Jesus referred to him as that. And so... Uh, That'll help you understand that wording there in, in at the end of Daniel 9, verse 27. So, so in the middle of the week, at the three and a half year marks, remember a week is seven years uh, here, here in what we're studying. At the three and a half year mark, he will turn his back on the Jews, break that peace agreement, at that covenant, and uh, bring an end to their sacrifice and offering, okay? And, and, and begin to become their brutal enemy, and we'll talk more about that as we go. But I want you to now go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, because the Holy Spirit through the, through the Apostle Paul gives us some more on this. He wrote to the Thessalonians and he said, let no one deceive you. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, now that day is talking about the rapture of the church, at least from my study of it, will not come unless the falling away comes first. Now we talked about that in an earlier session, so I'll not review that. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now that's talking about the Antichrist. And remember, well, I'll just review here. This falling away has, has to do with the rapture of the church. So let no one deceive you for that day, the, the, the day that the Antichrist is revealed here and, and so forth and becomes the beast and all of that, as we'll see. It won't come unless, unless the rapture of the church takes place. We've talked about that. But notice verse 4, who opposes this Antichrist will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship. And he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Of course, we know that he's not God, but that's what he, this Antichrist is going to do. During the first three and a half years, he's going to appear to be the, the Messiah uh, of the Jews, okay? He's going to, there'll be a temple that's that's uh, built, and he will allow them to worship God in that, in, that, in that temple. But in the middle of that week, in the middle of that seven-year period, at the three and a half year mark, he will stand up in that temple and he will turn his back on the Jews and he will declare himself as almighty God. Can you think about that? Think, think about that. Just think about that. 
So to, to just kind of review, the rapture takes place, the church is caught up, the Antichrist comes on the scene as a peacemaker. For three and a half years, you know, he appears as the Messiah. But in the middle of that week, in the middle of that seven-year period, he will turn his back on the Jews, and he will declare that he himself is God Almighty. Think about that. Think about that. Okay, now, having said that, let's look a little bit more at, at this Antichrist and what happens in the in the middle of that tribulation period, go to Revelation 13, verse 1. Revelation 13, verse 1. Uh, John says this, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. So now, see, this is where this Antichrist gets, he, he becomes known as the beast. And this happens in the, in the middle of the tribulation period when he stands up in the temple proclaiming himself to be God, this will give us more on, on that. Let's go to Revelation 13, verse 1. He said, John said, I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now, these, these, uh, this, this beast and, and all, of these, all of this is symbolic. It has to do with world kingdoms of days gone by. So I'll not get into the depths of what all this means. Ten horns has to do with ten kings that will be in power in the earth when the Antichrist arises. And anyway, verse 2 says, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth like a lion. This has to do, again, with world kingdoms of days gone by. The significance here is if you look at these world kingdoms back in the book of Daniel, if we had time, I'd go through all of it with you. But if you look at all these these, these uh, animals are symbolic of, of world kingdoms. And the reason it's brought out here is the Antichrist kingdom will have, uh, uh, it, it'll have, it'll, it'll be in a, it'll be an appearance as some of the, uh, it'll have parts of the uh, kingdoms of days gone by. So if you went back in history and studied these different kingdoms, uh, Gentile kingdoms and whatnot, the Antichrist kingdom will be kind of a culmination of these different kingdoms all rolled up into one. So that's why these, these animals, which are, are symbolic of world kingdoms and whatnot, are listed here. But here, let's get to this. The dragon gave him power. Now, the dragon is the devil. The dragon gave him power. Now, if you would, read back up in verse 12. Uh, you can see, I'm sorry, read back up in chapter 12. And you can, and I'm not going to go through all uh, chapter 12, but if you go back to chapter 12, you can see that this dragon is the devil, and he's cast to the earth. And I personally believe that at the middle of the tribulation, when the devil is ultimately cast to the earth, he's going to, in my opinion, incarnate this, this Antichrist. And in the middle of the tribulation, three and a half year mark, is when I think the Antichrist is going to become incarnated with the, with the devil the devil's going to enter him. Now, he's been under the devil's influence all the way through, but the first half of the tribulation, but at the middle of the, the tribulation, I believe he's going to be incarnated with the devil. And, and notice the dragon or the devil gave him power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw, now watch this, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. Now, we'll see that the Antichrist, is. there's going to be an assassination attempt made on his life. 
with with the sword. We'll see that later. So apparently someone stabs him, apparently, and he's mortally wounded. Looks like he's going to die. But then the Bible says in in verse 3 here of Revelation 13, and his deadly wound was healed and, uh, and all the world marveled and followed him. Now, some say that he's actually put to, that he's assassinated and killed and raised back to life. Now, that would be speculation. I don't know if he's just mortally wounded and gets to the point of death or if, or if he actually dies and is raised. But whatever the case, he's going to be an assassination attempt. He's going to survive it, be healed, totally fine. And the whole world, now notice here, all the world marveled and followed him. Think about that. So, so he doesn't have control over the, uh, the entirety of the world during the first half of the tribulation. But apparently when this event takes place, he's going to uh, 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 gain power over over the, the, the rest of the earth. And I'm going to be I'm glad we're going to be in, in heaven at that time. We don't have to fool with this guy, but we need to be aware of it nonetheless. OK, uh, so verse four. So they worship the dragon. That's the devil who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue 42 months. Well, that's three and a half years. That's the last half of the tribulation period. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. See, that's we just read that over in, in, in Thessalonians, you see. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. See, there'll be people here on the earth. We talked about there's a rapture of the church. There's that mid-tribulation rapture. There's that rapture of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. But there'll also be people, as we'll see, getting saved during the last half of the tribulation. And he's going to be granted to make war with them and overcome them. And authority was given him. Uh, given him over, notices every tribe, tongue, and nation. So that shows me he's going to have world-reaching authority. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him. Think about that. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Whose na- now, uh, there's, but there's a group of resistors. Those whose names have been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Well, this indicates to me that there's going to be people getting saved during the last half of the tribulation under the ministry of the two witnesses, which we'll talk about in just a moment, and they will resist. They will resist the Antichrist. Some of them will resist even unto death. We'll we'll talk about that in a moment, but interesting, isn't it? Interesting. And again, comforting to know that if we placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, now, right now, you're listening to me, put your faith in Jesus, receive him, you'll be able to miss out on all this. So that's good, good news. So anyway, now we've got the Antichrist becoming the beast, but he's going to have somebody working in conjunction with him known as the false prophet. Now look at uh, Revelation 13, verse 11. John says, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth who had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Again, this is symbolic. Uh, horns like a lamb, uh, that, that, if you studied into it, it's authority actually a religious authority. This is going to be a religious leader, and he speaks like a dragon. Is going to have a very authoritative type 
uh, 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 voice and he'll rule with authority. This is going to be a religious figure known as the false prophet who serves side of the Antichrist who has become the beast. So you're going to have two of these guys going on, the Antichrist who's the beast, and then this false prophet who works as his religious leader or figure. And, and, and there'll be a, a, a one world religion at that point under this false prophet. And notice verse 12, he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, that's the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. So we just read about that. He performs great signs. This is a false prophet. So that even he makes fire, so so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Think about that. He'll be able to call down fire, just like Elijah did in the Old Testament. Think about that. And he deceives. See, that's what the devil does. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which was granted for him to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword. See, there it is, and live. Uh, again, we talked about that. But notice an image is going to be made. Now, Nebuchadnezzar did that. Remember in the Old Testament. Verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, what that image is, it's going to be an image. It's going to be able to speak. That's what the Bible says. Is it symbolic? Is it literal? Frankly, your guess is as good as mine. I just take it at face value there. I'm just glad I'm not going to be here when this is going on. Okay. But nonetheless, an image will be made of the beast. Somehow or another, it's going to speak. And people are going to be made to worship it, just like in the Old Testament. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They refused to worship the, the that image when the music played and they got they wound up in the fiery furnace but of course Jesus delivered them and uh and so uh th- there will be people that will resist this and that won't bow but uh and will not worship this image but but sad to say many many multitudes the vast majority of the planet will at that time worship the image of the beast under the 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 uh, authority of the false prophet. And notice here now, here, let's get to this. And, and, and well, let's read fit verse 15 again. He was, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image to be killed. But watch this, verse 16, he causes all, now this is the false prophet. He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it's the number of a man. His number is 666. So think about that. This is during the last half of the tribulation period. In order to do anything economically, person that's that's on the earth at that time is going to have to take a mark some called the mark of the beast uh you know 666 or the number of his that's the number of his name or the name of the beast so it'll either be his name 
are uh, this number 666 in his right hand or his forehead. Now, people have asked me, what do I think that is? Is it going to be an actual mark? Is it going to be a tattoo? Is it going to be a computer chip? It, 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 could be, it could be any of it. But the Bible says a mark, a mark. So I'm going to just leave it at that. Uh, listen, if you miss the rapture of the church, and if you miss that second busload at that mid-tribulation rapture, and you are on the earth during the last half of the tribulation period, uh, whatever you do, don't take the mark of the beast, okay? All right. Now, now you know, I went to Six Flags one time years ago when I was a kid, and in order to you know, to leave Six Flags and get back in. If you wanted to go out, you know, to McDonald's and get a hamburger or whatever, uh, you know, they they put a stamp on your hand. Some days it'd be the right hand, some days it'd be the left hand. It was never the forehead. But I had a friend of mine. You know, he when we were leaving Six Flags that particular day, they were putting their stamp on the right hand. You needed that stamp to get, if you wanted to come back in the park, not have to pay the fee again. And so he, you know, he he. God love him. He knew enough about the Bible, you know, just to be dangerous. <laughs> he loved the Lord, though. But he wasn't going to let him put that put that stamp on his right hand because he didn't want to take any chances on receiving the mark of the beast. Well, you can't receive the mark of the beast right now because we're not even in the tribulation period, much less the last half of the tribulation period. So I've always thought that was kind of kind of humorous. Uh, but he wasn't taking any chances, and so you know. You know, God bless him. I mean, listen, in all seriousness, though, if if you're on earth and you're listening to me and it's the last half of the tribulation period, do not take that mark in your right hand or your forehead, because we'll see as we go in this study, it'll cost you your eternal soul. and You'll go to hell for eternity into the lake of fire if you receive that mark in your right hand or forehead. So it's it's no laughing matter. Okay. But uh, we're not in the tribulation now, so you don't have to worry about the mark of the beast at this time. Again, I don't want to be here on the earth when this is going on. Now, also, go to Revelation chapter 11. Remember, this book of Revelation is written in panoramic order. I've explained that. So so not all chronological. So now I want to move back and look at something else that's going on during the last half of the tribulation period while the uh, Antichrist you know, has he's now become the beast, and the false prophet, and the mark of the beast, and all of that. There's something else going on during this last half of the tribulation period, and it's found in Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. It's called, it's known as the, the, the two witnesses, the ministry of the two witnesses. And, and remember, God always keeps a voice in the earth. And remember, now it's the church. Once the church is raptured, it'll be that 144,000. Jewish evangelists that we talked about, and uh, then after them, during the le- they minister, you know, during the first half of the tribulation. Then during the last half of the tribulation, it'll be these two witnesses. Okay, so let's read about them. Revelation eleven verse one. Then I was John says I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. See, that's that temple that we talked about just a bit ago. And but leave out the court which is outside the temple. Do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they'll they'll tread the holy city, city underfoot for forty two months. Well, that's three and a half years, the last half of the tribulation. Now I will now watch this, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days, clothed in sackcloth. Well, 
1,260 days, that's three and a half years. So they're going to minister during the last half of the tribulation period, during the last half of that seven-year period, which is three and a half years, okay? And he says, I'll give power to my two witnesses, and they'll prophesy for three and a half years. Uh, these are the two, the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before God, the God of the earth. It's symbolic, I'm not going to get into all that. I will say this. Uh, who are the two witnesses? I've been asked that many times over the years. Uh, my opinion is, and I think it's clear, it will be Enoch and Elijah. Uh, because they're two men that, that they've been raptured in the Old Testament. They've never died. And the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. So I think it's clear that it has to be uh, Enoch and Elijah. Okay. And the Bible also says in the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, that Elijah will come before uh, uh, the second coming of the Lord. And so one of them is slam dunk. It's Elijah. The other one, there's, you know, people will argue about, is it Enoch? Some think it's Moses. Folks, it's not worth arguing about. Okay. We don't argue about it. I think it's Enoch and Elijah. So we'll just leave it at that. And they're going to be given power from God. Now look at verse five. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds. Now listen to this. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. Now think about that. You know, it's a terrible time now, the tribulation. But that's pretty cool right there. I mean, now is that symbolic? Is it, is it, is it really fire coming out of their mouth? I used to teach junior high. Also used to teach junior college. I like teaching junior college better than junior high. Now, when I was teaching junior high, most of the kids were great, but there's some of them I would have liked to had this power, believe me, to just, you know, they call me some sort of a name or whatever the case and just, you know, spitball or whatever comes and I, you know, just fire comes out of my mouth and devours. Well, <laughs> well I'm just, no, I'm not really teasing. Uh, yes, I am. I wouldn't really want to hurt any. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool to have that? But I don't, so anyway, joking there, but let's be serious. I don't know if it's literally fire going to come out of their mouth or if it's the word of God that's going to come out of, out of their mouth like fire. I, I don't know, but, uh, is, but you don't want to be their enemies. I'll tell you that because their enemies are going to be consumed. So anyway, let's, let's be serious now here. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And Elijah did that, the Old Testament. And they have power over the waters to turn them to blood. That's why some think that one of them is Moses, but I think it's it's got to be Enoch. Again, because uh, Enoch and Elijah never died. They were raptured and it's appointed unto men once to die. So that's why I think it's Enoch and Elijah. They have power to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast, now this is at the end of the tribulation, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them to overcome them and kill them. So they're going to be killed at the end of the tribulation. Their dead bodies will lie in the street of that great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Well, uh, that's talking about Jerusalem. And... Uh, see what's going to happen to it spiritually when the Antichrist is ruling over it. It'll become spiritually, become like Sodom and Egypt. Think about that. But their dead bodies are going to lay in the street. And uh, 
notice here, so so there's there's going to be a, a, a demonic power arise and overcome him, uh, overcome him and kill him. Now, how that's all going to work, I don't know. Uh, but their 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 bodies are going to lie in the street, and then verse nine, those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days. They're going to lay out there three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now watch this. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Think about what that's going to do to CNN, MSNBC, Fox, and the others. Think about that. You talk about breaking news. <laughs> you talk, I, I, wow. And they're going to be resurrected. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them after they're resurrected, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. Think about those television cameras filming them as they go back. I mean, again, you talk about breaking news. These guys are going to be on the earth and they're going to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years. And many, many people are going to get saved under their ministry. And I thank God for their ministry. I, I joke a little bit about it, sometimes have fun with you a little bit, but it's, it is really a, an awesome thing that's going to happen. be a terrible time, but God will have two ministers that will be assigned to that to be his voice in the earth, and they will proclaim the gospel, and uh, many will get saved. Praise God for that. Now, notice here, let's go on just a little bit longer. Let's go to Revelation 14, verse 6. And we're going to see three angels uh, that are going to be flying through the heavens, giving giving uh, a proclamations. Look at Revelation 14, verse 6, during this time here. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those, to those who dwell on the earth. Now this, from my study of it, when the when the the two witnesses are put when the two witnesses are put to death, uh, there'll be a, a sliver of time in there, and God is so good, He's going to have an angel because angels typically don't preach the gospel now, but during this time when when those two witnesses are raptured up into heaven after they're raised from the dead, as we just read there, God is still going to maintain a voice in the earth that's going to be an angel. Flying in the midst of heaven, Revelation 14, 6, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. God will get his message out ultimately, as Jesus said, our Lord said, to all the earth before the end come. And that angel actually is going to finish that job. Okay, the church, and then the 144,000, and the two witnesses, and then that angel. God is so good he is going to give everybody an opportunity to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this angel is going to say with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him uh, who, who made heaven and earth, sea and springs of water. Then there's going to be another angel and he's going to be uh, saying this in verse eight, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she's made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, that second angel is going to be declaring the fall of Babylon. And actually, I want you to be sure you read Revelation 17 and chapter 18, 17 and 18. I'm not going to 
do do any work in there. It's just it, it, for this series, it's we're not getting in that deep. But in Revelation 17, uh, mystery Babylon is going to fall. And what that is, is every religious system. Now, you know, every religious system apart from Christianity is false. And Christianity is not a religion. A religion has been made out of it. Christianity is a relationship with the living Savior, Jesus. But there's lots of religions in the world, and all of them lead to hell, okay? And every religious system, other than true Christianity, now now let me say this, the the Jewish religion, if you will, is of, of God, okay? But the Jewish religion was supposed to move into and become Christianity, and it did. But the bulk of the Jews, as we've already said, have, have rejected Jesus. So I'm not, I'm not downplaying Judaism at all. But Judaism brought us to Christianity. You see what I'm saying? All right. But, uh, but having said that, all other religions are false, and they will be judged by God in this time, and they will fall. And then Revelation 18 is the fall of of Babylon itself, what's known as literal Babylon, and that's the fall and the collapse, complete and total collapse of all the economic systems of the world. And this angel is proclaiming that, okay? So just just wanted, wanted to let you know what this angel was talking about when it's talking about the fall of Babylon. Okay, so there it is. And then let's go to verse 9. This is Revelation uh, 14, verse 9. Now, listen to this. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, now listen to this. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation, he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Think about that. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his, in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. So here, this angel is warning people, do not receive the mark of the beast. Do not receive the mark of the beast. God's a good God, and he's warning people, do not receive the mark of the beast. So that's what the third angel's proclaiming. And then verse 12 here, uh, let's read verse 11 again. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever received the mark uh, of his name. So that's why I said you don't want to receive the mark of the beast because it'll cost you your eternal soul. Then verse 12, here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And so there will be people who do not receive the mark and and, and who follow Jesus during the last half of the tribulation and uh, keep God's commandments in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, those people who are put to death, they die in the Lord, and uh, and they're blessed, and they're blessed, okay? And they rest from their labors, and they'll be rewarded for uh, whatever good works they had during that time. Now, 
and however God's going to do that, I, you know, that just speculation at best, but it's what the Bible said there. Now, now let's conclude here now in Revelation 20, verse 4. John says, and I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I, Now, here's why I want to read this verse. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Now, notice that, beheaded. That wasn't long ago in the news. A couple of years ago, you were seeing beheadings going on, weren't you? Well, this is what's going to happen during the last half of the tribulation. He said, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to the to Jesus and for the word of God who had, now watch this, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. So during the last half of the tribulation, the Antichrist will be the beast. He'll have the false prophet uh, by his side. The ministry of the hundred, I'm sorry, the ministry of the two witnesses will be going on. You'll have the ministry of the angels. We just read about all of that. And uh, uh, many people are going to be put to death because they're going to resist the Antichrist. They'll, they won't receive the mark. They'll be put to death. And they'll be beheaded, the Bible says. They'll be beheaded. That's why I say if you're here on earth during that time, you know, don't receive the mark. You say, well, wait, if I don't receive it, I won't be able to buy or sell. And they're going to cut my head off. Well, you'll be better off to not be able to buy or sell. And you'll be better off to let them cut your head off because you'll make heaven if you have faith in Jesus. But if you uh, receive that mark, it'll cost you your eternal soul. And you'll wind up in the lake of fire forever and ever. Again, I'm glad that, that, that we're not going to have to fool with any of this stuff. We'll be in heaven, but it, it, we need to know it. God gave it to us in the book of Revelation. We need to study it, look at it, okay? So I want to read verse four again. I saw thrones. They sat on them. Judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the, their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And we just read where it, it said, here's the patience of the saints. Uh, here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. See, these people didn't receive the mark of the beast. They had faith in Jesus. They couldn't buy or sell. It ultimately cost them their head being cut off, but they made heaven. And that sure beats going to hell. And then if you recall, and I'll close with this, in Revelation 6, verse 9, just want to go back. Remember, these seven seals are being opened, as we said, uh, during the entirety of the tribulation. If you go back and look at the fifth seal, remember, this is Revelation 6, 9. Then, then I opened the fifth, then that he, Jesus, opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. See, this fifth seal is talking about the people here that have been put to death for the cause of Christ during the tribulation. And we just read about them here. They wouldn't receive that mark. They had faith in Jesus. They couldn't buy or sell. Their heads were cut off, but their spirits went to be with the Lord. And where did their spirits go? To be with the Lord. But let's read this. I opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, this is Revelation 6.10. 
And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And uh, then a white robe was given to each of them. See, there's that gown of salvation. It's a free gift through faith and faith in Jesus and your testimony for him. And so they were given that white robe. They're in heaven with the Lord. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were. Well, they were these people here were beheaded was completed. Think about that. Some very sobering things, friends, very, some very sobering things. And uh, uh, again, uh, it's important that we miss out on all that, that we miss out on all that. How do you, you say, Pastor Terry, how, do, how can I be sure I miss out on all that you just read today and last week, those trumpet judgments, those, uh, those bold judgments? I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be on the earth. Uh, during that time, how do I get, how do I miss all that? Well, the Bible says he's not, a, uh, God's not appointed us to wrath and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're out there and you've never uh, become a Christian, real for real Christian, you know, you've never gotten saved. Here's how you do it with a, you, you just with a repentant heart from your heart, say, Heavenly Father, go ahead and pray it with me. Heavenly Father, God in heaven, I've missed it. I've sinned. I repent. I turn from my sins. And right now I call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord. I believe that, that God raised you from the dead, that you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood for me. You, 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 you were buried and you rose from the dead and you are, are, are seated at the right hand of God. And I call on your name now. And I say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are my Lord. Come in again. Live big in me. Just, just that quick. In Jesus' name, amen. You just, just that quick. Turn your heart to the Lord. And that fast, faster than you can snap your eyes or blink your fingers, you get saved. Miss hell and make heaven. But I want to tell you this, people that do get saved live for the Lord the rest of their lives. Doesn't mean you don't ever miss it. You do miss it some here and there. But when we miss it, we can confess our sins and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You know, I'm concerned about people that just say a little prayer and their life never changes. Just a prayer in and of itself won't save you. But if you'll, if you'll pray what I just prayed right there, and you mean it from your heart, you get born again. You'll become a child of God. Your name will go in the Lamb's Book of Life. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And the rapture takes place in your lifetime. You'll go into rapture. And if you the rapture doesn't take place in your lifetime and you go by way of the grave, when you die, your spirit will leave your body and you'll go to be with the Lord. So you're a winner either way. You know Jesus. But anyway, hey, I hope you enjoyed this today. And uh, hey, we'll pick up on Sunday with our series on uh, who did it, God or the devil. And uh, and then we'll pick up with this, uh, uh, with the book of Revelation next Wednesday. All right, God bless you. And we'll hope to, again, Summit Church family, hope to see you real soon at our building. We'll keep you posted on when that's gonna be. Okay. 
Hey, hey, and if you enjoyed this today, if you got anything out of it, uh, you know, message me, Facebook me, uh, uh, email me, text me, send me a smoke signal. I don't know, but just let me know you're, you're out there. Okay. It blesses me to know that you're out there and you got something out of it. Okay. God bless you. Bye-bye.